Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Welcome to the show. Got a great show planned for you, as always. Um, DMs, questions, topics, whatever you got for us, slap it in the DMs on our Love Line IG page. And i um, going to open the show talking about loneliness. Uh, I was looking at some stats. And one of the most profound ones was one that cited during COVID, uh, about 70% of people, 70% had said that at some point they were feeling lonely and experiencing extreme loneliness, something that was not traditional or familiar to them. And, uh, you know, pandemic definitely shifted a lot of things. Uh, for some people, it still echoes. Uh, the, the introverted became more introverted. The um uh, lower, lower, those people on the lower end of the socialization scale, uh, really didn't have access to the momentum that might've kept them out there and kind of retreated. And for others, uh, anxiety just about being out in the social world. I was watching some of these festivals and I was thinking, my God, bold, I I'm definitely not ready to attend anything that's, you know, indoors or outdoors that has a large multitude of people. I'm still one of those people that's like, I'm not trying to get COVID again. And uh, also just really learning more about my relationship to socialization. Uh, for me, <clears throat> it really brought me closer to the idea that for me, again, and this is the, the case for some, not all, that uh, crowds of people don't really allow true or deep intimacy. That, um, you know, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of distraction. But it really reinforced with myself my, my love of a lot of one-on-one -on -one time, deep intimacy, and really focusing more on spending time with those that I value and bring a lot to my life. And... Focusing more on depth in my close relationships versus having so many acquaintanceships. Um, but that's my journey. You know, other people, they like a wealth of people around them at all times. They like distance and distraction. Um, but the loneliness concept is coming up a lot in my private practice as well. A lot of my patients are coming in talking about trying to figure out how to participate in the world again or making changes themselves or realizing that maybe they're more introverted than they had thought before. And we live in a culture that really pathologizes introversion and uh, silence and people that don't socialize a lot or even asocial, people that just aren't social. And there's this idea that health means a lot of friends or a lot of socializations. That's just not true. That's very cultural. Other cultures see Americans as hypersocial and obnoxious, and they actually pathologize our extroversion and our obsession with extroversion. We really like loudness and boldness and... You know, there's a time and place for that. I'm not trying to shame anyone who's more extroverted. It's just to say that that isn't a sign of health and that's not necessarily everyone's goal. A sign of health is you authentically having confidence in however it is you socialize, whatever it is you prefer. There is no right way. Um, 
So we want to we want to stop shaming that. Some people are more introverted, and some people are all about reflection and introspection, and that can only happen when we are with ourselves or with one or two others. Introspection and intra um, and self reflection can occur with a multitude of people or with loudness or crowds. And again, there's a place for all of that, but tonight we're really focusing on those that feel lonely. And some of us, the work is just normalizing how you socialize. It's not about figuring out how to socialize more because that's not who you are. And that would be you performing wellness for the comfort of others, or you performing socialization so that you feel like you're quote unquote healthy or normal. And the work again in mental health is authentically saying, who am I and what are my social needs? And making peace with that. Now there are some people that really do value extroversion or socialization and they're kind of a little stuck. So, you know, tonight's show is for everybody, but I really wanted to zero in on it's okay to only have a few friends. It's okay to not enjoy a lot of socialization. I'm one of those people where after socializing a lot, I need a few days to myself. It's very depleting for me. Introverts find self time uh, recharging. Extroverts tend to find time with others recharging, but we all need to be able to spend time with ourselves. Some people can't tolerate being on their own. Some people uh, consistently need to stay connected to others. And that's hard because that's not always doable and people aren't always available. So I don't want to just use this word loneliness and say that if you have loneliness, the work is about getting rid of it. Because for some people, the work is about honoring it and allowing it. And for others, the work is about getting familiar with it and not pushing it away and learning how to have downtime and to sit with themselves. Um, I say it all the time on the show, more people need to spend time with themselves being introspective and working on themselves. Um, and that can't happen if we're always distracted and if we're always going and focusing on things outward. At some point, we have to let the, the uh, focus go inward, which is what we try to do in therapy. You know, slow down, sit with ourselves, <laughs> see what emerges. That's really what part of what meditation's about. You know, meditation's learning how to work with your mind. It's also learning how to settle yourself in the midst of chaos, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But therapy can really afford that as well. But that's also something we can do on our own. So when we come back, we're going to uh, keep talking about the loneliness and some of the ways to kind of work with it. Because again, the, the work isn't about getting rid of anything. No emotions need to be gotten rid of. We need to learn how to sit with all of them, make room for all of them, and encounter all of them. So again, we're not trying to eliminate because the work isn't about denying or eliminating. And the work is also not about catastrophizing, dramatizing, acting out, or amplifying. It's about that middle area where we just kind of allow and when we allow, emotions come and go. The problem is that we over-identify with them, we get hooked on them, we let them dictate our behavior, or we buy into them as truth. Just because you're thinking and feeling something doesn't mean it's true. We'll talk more about that. Stick around and listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Oh, Rachel, we're back. And uh, we're talking about loneliness. We're also talking a little bit about introversion. And, you know, again, I want to remind everyone that no emotions are bad and no emotions need to be gotten rid of. The work with emotions is learning how to encounter them and allow them because emotions are always going to happen. It's, it's healthy to feel a full range of human emotions. I want to, I want to really get rid of this idea that the work is about always feeling good and happy and positive. No, that is toxic. And that is shaming of our humanity. Humans are going to be sad. That is an appropriate response. Sometimes we're going to be disappointed and frustrated. We're going to be depressed or anxious at times. The work is about making room for those feelings, not always feeling like if I feel sad or depressed or lonely or anxious, that I must immediately do something to get rid of it. That's experiential avoidance. That is the shaming of a emotions. That is the denial of humanity. But somehow in our, you know, silver bullet obsessed culture, we want a quick fix. We want to get back to work right away. We want a quick pill. And even medications aren't meant to remove all those things permanently. We're not trying to be robots. Medications are supposed to shave down the sharp edges a little bit, make us a little more functional, but it's not supposed to make us never feel depressed or anxious again. That is not possible. That is an appropriate response to a lot of life events. And what the, pro the problem actually is, is when we get hooked on our emotions, when we let them dictate our behavior, it is shocking to someone I tell them, you can feel something or think something and not act from it. You just let it be there. You don't hook onto it. You don't believe it as truth. Just because you feel something or think something doesn't mean it's true. Oftentimes it's not. And we tend to make it extreme and dramatize it. And we act it out. And I teach my clients, just let it be there. Live from your values and your ethics. Focus on your goal. If you get up in the morning and you're having a great day and, it's, and you, you, the plan was to go shopping, go shopping with that joy in your back pocket. If you wake up and you're having a sad day or a depressed day, go shopping still with that sadness or depression in your back pocket. Don't hook onto it. Don't feed it. Emotions are like cravings. They crash. They subside if we just let them be. But instead, we battle it. We fight it. And that amplifies it. Don't battle it. Don't fight it. Allow it. Make room for it. Don't be guided by it. It's a practice. We are not good at working with our minds. And that's what a lot of psychotherapy is about, working with your mind, not buying into your feelings and your thoughts as though there's anything to be done with them. We just notice them. As they say, be like a mountain. It doesn't move when it rains. It doesn't move when it snows. It doesn't move when it's windy. It just lets all these different weather types come and go. So we have to do with emotions. You know, as they say, if you're happy, go shopping. If you're sad, go shopping. If you're anxious, go shopping. Just say okay to emotions. But when we hook into them, when we buy into them, when we believe them, when we battle them, when we think we have that life or, or good mental health is about getting rid of them, that's when we get into the weeds. Just let go and allow. Don't be guided by those. Um, and I say all that over and over and over and over because nonetheless, <laughs> I will, you know, 
talk about this, work with this in a session. And then sure enough, a week later, clients will come in saying, you know, I really am feeling sad. I need to get rid of this even during mourning. And I'm like, oh my God, there's no right length of time to mourn the loss. The diagnostic manual, that big crappy piece of pathologization is trying to always give us length of times that are appropriate for mourning. There is no right length of time. I don't care how long other people take to get over something. Be where you're at. I don't believe in prolonged, problematic, complicated grief. It is a complicating thing. We should feel a lot of these emotions. And a lot of our mental health world is really pathologizing of normal human experiences and appropriate responses. And loneliness falls into that category. Just because you're lonely doesn't mean that that's a problem that needs to be fixed. The first thing you should do when you feel lonely is just acknowledge it, I'm lonely. And then globalize it. Many people are lonely as well. And, and loneliness is something I need to be familiar with because it's a part of life. It doesn't mean something's wrong and it doesn't mean something needs to be fixed. I want to just start off by saying that tonight's show is not about at all costs, get rid of it, fix it, never be lonely. No, I'm saying I'm going to talk about some things we can do sometimes, but the main goal is about normalizing and allowing and not being afraid of. We're trying to get familiar with our experiences. I think that's one of the most disappointing things is when I work with people that have been in therapy for a while and they've been trained to believe that if you feel something, quote unquote, that we deem to be a negative emotion and emotions are just energies in our bodies that communicate to us and help guide us and help us understand what's happening, that if you feel this set of negative ones, you need immediate tools to get rid of it. Medication, meditation, cognitive work. But no, the work is first about normalizing and allowing. But yeah, sometimes we have an extreme version and we need the help of something outside of us, which I'm all about. I'm always talking about things like self-care and how sometimes life presents situations where what's happening around us is beyond the scope of what we have the internal resources to deal with. That happens and it's called trauma. And there's a lot of trauma in our lives. So it's not, to, it's not to say we can't reach outside of ourselves for help. Dear God, please do. If you can find something to help with all this, do that, but don't pathologize the experience. Say, it's okay that I'm feeling this way. However, due to whatever's going on or the severity of it, I wanna kind of work with it differently or I wanna work on having a little bit of a different relationship with it. Totally down with that. You know, I'm not a fan of purism, which is something none of us have. And so I always laugh. I mean, my favorite example of that is when people are like, oh man, okay. Actually, no, we have time. When people, I was looking at the clock, when people say something like, oh, you know, I'm trying to get off coffee. And I'm like, why? <laughs> it's one of the joys I have in my life. But more importantly, they're like, well, you know, the fact that it's so hard to get off of it is a sign I need to be off of it. And I'm like, why? I'm a, I, I'll, I'll drink it every day and continue to. It's okay to reach for something outside of you to make you happy, to give you a little bit of joy. I'm a fan of using food sometimes to put a smile on our face, reaching outside of ourselves to something external to add value to our day or our night. Eating a donut is a beautiful thing to do in the middle of the day for a few moments of joy. Um, we also will use glasses or contact lenses, things outside of ourselves to help our sight. Uh, we will do things to our teeth. We will get pacemakers. We will do, we do all sorts of things to externally help us with ourselves and, and, and living in the world in the way we want. So again, reach for medications and, and other technologies. Uh, I'm not pathologizing that or shaming that. But what I don't want us to do in that process is do it from a position that I shouldn't be feeling what I'm feeling and the work is about getting rid of it. No, the work is about managing it, coping with it, and not having it maybe be as severe, you know? All right, gonna take a break. We'll be back. Listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around. We'll be back. 
All right, y'all, we're back and we're talking about loneliness, but first we're just kind of doing a little bit of a crash course in emotions because, oh man, we've been led to believe that uh, some of them are bad and something bad, something we need to get rid of, but no emotions are bad. They're just ones that are, you know, maybe don't feel as great because we're not as familiar with them, but we want to stop labeling emotions as good, as bad. They're all good. They're all human. They're all natural. They're all part of our process. They're all things we need to get familiar with. There are no bad ones and we shouldn't be get, trying to get rid of any of them in theory. We should be making peace with them, letting them be companions on our journey, making room for them, learning how to not be mood dependent, meaning your mood shouldn't dictate your actions. That's actually the sign of someone who's very out of control, dysregulated, and not mentally healthy. So if you're like, I'm angry, and you start like throwing punches and saying horrible things, you're a very dysregulated person. Really work on regulating yourself and saying, I can be angry, but that doesn't mean it's true. That doesn't mean it's appropriate. I can be angry, and I act from my values and my ethics, which means if I'm talking to someone I care about, that's what guides how I respond, not my anger. Because remember, we're trying to remind ourselves that there's actually a step between something making you upset and you acting it out. There's a step in between called consciousness and choice where we say, this is what I'm feeling. How should I best respond to this? Then we respond. But most people go from trigger an event right to an action and they're acting out their emotions. But healthy people, there's a step that they squeeze in there, which is, is this appropriate? Is this an extreme response? What are all of my actions? And they really work through it differently and slow themselves down. But we're really focusing on loneliness. Oh, excuse me. We're really focusing on loneliness specifically because I think it's one of the emotions that we really are afraid of. We think it's something that should never be or it's a sign that something's wrong. Well, for some people, they need to normalize and say, well, I'm not lonely, but I might be on my own because not everyone wants or has a lot of friends. Not everyone is hyper social. That's okay. Just because you're seeing pictures of people that are always running around squads of people, please don't decide that that is what you need or what's right for you. And I'm talking to the people that are less social because the people that are hypersocial don't tend to have any struggles with that. They're, they're good with where they're at. Um, loneliness is very shamed. Um, and I was showing, I, I was looking at some of the stats and it's increasing and most people aren't shocked. And I think it's, I think technology has been an asset in that it helps people connect to others. It helps people build community. Um, some people don't live in areas where they have access to the people they want to date or socialize with. And like I said, community and resources. So I think it's an awesome thing. Um, and for some people, it's the totality of their social life. It's okay if your social life's completely online. That's the life that some of us lead for a multitude of reasons. Talk about more of that on another show. But um, it also gets in the way for some of us because some people let, some people would maybe do better or prefer some real-time interaction, not real-time, but face-to-face, -face, I should say, and they get a little lazy or they get too familiar with the lower level of intimacy or distance that technology can sometimes create, uh, where they think, if I just fire off a text to a really good friend of mine who I used to spend a lot of time with that I, quote-unquote, just socialized with them, and that's not true. You know, the, the more profound parts of socialization come from shared experience, eye contact, touch, and time together. And that's what I always talk to couples about. And you've heard that on the show before. Are you doing things that are shared experiences where you're having the same experience, not separately on your phones, doing two separate experiences, but cooking together, talking together, looking at art together, going for a walk together, watching a show together. That's a shared experience. We're having the same experience at the same time. And that allows for us to access each other. Eye contact. I can look at you. You can look at me when we talk. That is 
part of what feels intimate. That's how we feel like we really connected. And then touch when appropriate and all that's wrapped up in obviously time together. But that's part of socialization as well. So for those that want to socialize more, for those that do feel lonely and it's an appropriate thing that you're feeling, then you have to ask yourself, am I having shared experiences with people? Because sometimes using just technology isn't gonna allow for that. Am I doing things that allow for time with and eye contact? And if not, that's probably why you don't really feel seen, heard, or nourished in the way that socialization can provide. And that's why like bars and clubs won't really allow for that to an extent. It can in the beginning when I can see you and I can hear you and we're a little sober and I can connect. But once it's loud and dark and crowded and we're intoxicated, you're no longer building intimacy and you're not necessarily even having a shared experience anymore because you're not really encoding that experience and you're not connecting via that experience. It's actually a lot of disconnection. And I'm not saying that there's not a place for that. And I'm not saying that it's bad, wrong, or pathological. I'm just saying it doesn't meet the criteria of what I'm focusing on tonight's show. So um, don't get in my DMs talking about I love bars and I love dancing and you're shaming it because that is not what I said. I just want to point that out because <laughs> I think there's a time and a place for that. But for some people, if that's all they're doing when they're socializing, they're not getting the needs met in the right way. And that's why they're not feeling close or safe or nourished or like they're actually building intimacy because that stuff doesn't count. And so do that. But I'd also say, also go hiking with your friends. Also go for brunch. Also go see a movie and spend time before and after it. Also go to dinner. Also have a game night. Also go shopping. Because whether you like it or not, some level of consciousness and sobriety is necessary for us to really get our needs met relationally and intimacy wise. And that's why I say that to couples as well. If you're at work all day long, not having a shared experience, no touch, no eye contact, no time together. And then when you come home, you're immediately smoking weed or drinking alcohol. Again, that becomes an intimacy buffer. So that's the question. Is part of your loneliness built on the fact that every time you're around other people, there's an intimacy buffer, something, some, something that's put there that blocks you. And that's the question. We're going to come back and talk more about that. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around. All right, y'all, we are back. Now it's time to drop some gems. We'll be doing some DMs later in the show. So if you got questions for us, bam, drop them in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Tonight's gems are being dropped around porn. What? I know, we've done a whole segment on this years ago, actually, years ago. So I will come back and, and do another one. Uh, listen, uh, like all art and all media, there's some upsides and there's some downsides. Art and media is not meant to be an educator. We don't look to video games, action films, or you know, fiction books to teach us or educate us. Why do we put that upon adult material, erotica, and porn? Well, for many of us, it's the only place we actually will encounter sexuality or sex education. Now, why is that a downside? Well, because it's art, it's media, it's entertainment. It's not supposed to reflect the realities of the world. It's not supposed to help us understand who we are, who others are, or what, or what we should be trying to pull off. Again, you wouldn't tell your child to watch an action film and say, that's how you drive when they're flipping cars and high speed chasing. You would sit down and give them some critical thinking and say, that isn't supposed to be reality. The job of that movie is supposed to be the opposite of reality. We suspend reality, in fact, when we watch films and listen to music and look at art. Porn's the same way. So what does that mean? It means it does have some positive assets. It's not meant to be a sex educator. Sex education is meant to do that. But because we have such a crappy sex education system, 
people tend to look at porn and they blame it. What are you blaming it for? It's fulfilling its role. Its role is number one to normalize that. Yep. Sex is there. And so I prescribe porn. What prescribe it? Yes, I do. Sex is prescribed to some clients so they can normalize seeing adult material. Some clients are so sex negative or so sexually anxious or so sexually traumatized that that is the way they start to inch towards feeling in control is watching some porn. They choose what they choose when they choose how they choose where. And they get familiar hearing it, seeing it, and witnessing it. Also, for some people, porn is their total sex life because maybe they're single. Maybe they don't have access to a partner. Maybe the partners they like aren't available. So porn is their sex life. Solo sex and masturbation are healthy, appropriate forms of sex. It's not lesser than. It's not pathetic. For some people, it's their total sexual orientation. Not everyone is oriented towards partnered sex. Some people, it's also, they're more fetish-directed. They're fetish-sexual. But some people are solo-sexual. They prefer and value more sex with themselves. Some people even identify as baiters. Baiting is a form of masturbation. So... It's also an outlet for some people that are hypersexual. Their partner doesn't want as much sex as they do. Maybe they're in a monogamous relationship. And so porn is where they go to access more sex. And remember, solo sexuality, your relationship to yourself, pornography, masturbation, is not under the control of your partner. If you're in a monogamous relationship, your partner gets to weigh in on the commitment you made about partnered sex with them and others awesome. But your solo sex life, your masturbation sex life, they don't get to weigh in on. If it's negatively impacting your interest in partnered sex, yeah, you got to talk about it. But no one gets to tell another adult how they can masturbate, when, where, how often, or what they can look at or think about when they masturbate. That's a form of abuse, actually. That's under your control. Also, sex is a great way for us to explore and learn about other things that turn us on. Whatever you think your sexuality is, it's actually bigger than that. It's not just about gender choice. It's about the people, places, things, sounds, sights, smells, power dynamics. And sometimes porn is where we access that because porn is fantasy. Porn helps us have the kind of sex we want to have where we don't have to worry about finding it out in the world, engaging other people. So it's a really safe place to let our minds wander and to explore really diverse creative things and not just explore, but also stumble upon and realize, wow, I never knew that that was a part of my arousal template until now. I just saw it and I got turned on by it. So it's a beautiful place to experience that, to explore that and to find out about that. Also, it can help us boost our self-esteem. If we're watching porn that reflects back the kind of body we have, the kind of things we're turned on by, it will help us eroticize ourselves and feel secure in ourselves. So make sure you're watching porn that includes bodies like the one you have. Hairy, larger bodied, smaller, smaller anatomy, whatever it is, to normalize that and to value that. Also make sure you're watching porn that mimics and mirrors the kind of people you have sex with to keep yourself eroticized. And we can expand. Our sexuality does have some plasticity. So really challenge yourself to watch more diverse porn and not the same kind of body shape, sizes, and races over and over and over, and you're just solidifying that. Um, and then finally, it's a safe place for some partners that are monogamous to bring in other people just through the fantasy of watching them together on the screen. But you got to make sure your partner's mature enough to watch you in a state of arousal with, quote unquote, another person. All right, we'll be back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. So before the break, or before the DM, I should actually say, and the break, we were talking about intimacy buffers. And I was saying that like what the needs that we have uh, that relationships provide, where we get mirroring, where the important necessary parts of us get engaged and reflected back. 
and our nervous systems get to connect to someone else's and all the beautiful things that come from that, that's not possible if every time we're socializing or relating to people, there's an intimacy buffer. There's always a something that separates us. I'm talking while I'm looking at my laptop. Again, that's the laptop becomes a block to intimacy. It is distancing us because I'm not making eye contact. I'm not even fully present. That's why I say to people, you are not, you are not quote unquote listening if you're on your phone while I'm talking. And that's why I've said on the show before, I'm the annoying person that's like, I'll wait till you're done. Because when people are like, no, I can hear you still. No, you can't actually. You can't focus on two things at once. You cannot. That is not possible. Multitasking is a mess. Don't try to do it. It is not the most competent way to process things. And uh, we are dividing our focus there by not, not really focusing you know, powerfully on anything. Don't do that. That isn't an attribute. We now know from organizational psychology and some other fields that it's better to focus ex- focus exclusively on one thing and then move on and focus exclusively on the next thing versus wasting time transitioning back and forth where things get lost in that translation and it takes time to refocus each time you switch focus and you're not really present with anything that's a mess so again if every time you're spending time with your girlfriend your husband uh, your friends your family members there's uh, something blocking it someone's on technology or you're drinking alcohol or using drugs or it's loud or it's dark because it's a club. All that's awesome. Do your thing. But that doesn't count for what we're talking about. And that's why you might be lonely. And that's how some social circles operate. They're never sober. Their music's always cranked up. It's always around crowds or whatever it is. And like that isn't going to make you feel like you know these people or you're known or trust is even built. So again, it comes back to the loneliness conversation because I want you to check in on in my social world. How often am I around another person where we're having a shared experience, there's no intimacy blockers, we're making eye contact, touch when appropriate, and we're spending time together? And that's why I say make your dates, make your date nights, make your family events, make your friend hangouts, things where we can share and witness and engage and connect and talk, that will make you less lonely. So I just wanted to kind of call that piece out. That is one of the most profound parts. Um, we're over-focused on all of that stuff. So there's that. Um, and that loneliness can sometimes be a sign that you need to maybe push yourselves. I'm all about people pushing on their edges of comfort. I talk about that all the time in the show, the window of tolerance, learning how to tolerate more of everything, more emotionality, more intimacy, more arousal, more connection, more love, more confidence, whatever it is, pushing on those edges. So Ask yourself, how much socialization do I have in the course of a week? How much do I think is ideal for me based on what's going on in my life? Like for instance, I have a lot of interests. I have a lot of important people in my life. And so I designate certain times to socialize to make sure I'm doing it, to make sure I'm prioritizing the right people, but I make sure I'm doing the right things when I'm with them. And that's the question. And I also, again, like I said, talk to couples about that. Like what is it you're doing and talking about when you are spending time together or on a date? Um, And even with people on dating apps, you know how that feels when you can't connect with them and the conversation isn't really having any depth. um, And you're kind of like, at least if they're in front of me, I could see them. But then sometimes you're sitting with someone and they're in front of you and you still don't feel that. There's important qualities that matter. It's not just enough that there's another person on the other end of the app. It's not just enough that there's some warm body sitting near you. It's what you're doing in that space that matters. Um, but early in the show, I was t- uh, sharing a stat that 70% of people, that's a really high number, were reporting uh, experiencing a lot of loneliness. Um, not necessarily as a result of the pandemic, but that's definitely part of it. But this is a conversation that's starting to be had more and more. So we're checking in on it. Here's another one. Um, so that was about the 70% was have experienced it. 
you know, in a meaningful way. Another study, uh, this is 2018 out of Kaiser, found that uh, just under 30% reported that they often, or even ready for this, always feel lonely. Often and always. The 70% is like profound moments of it, but 30% often do or always do? That's also far too high. And there's a lot of reasons why that is. Because, well, because we're a messed up culture and a lot of people choose their friends based on who they're attracted to and they want to have attractive friends that look a certain, like there's, there's all sorts of messy stuff that gets in that way. But um, just let that number really sit with you. But luckily there's things we can do. And so the first thing we're talking about tonight is just understanding what loneliness is and to not always shame it or pathologize it, but that that has to be an experience that we encounter and we can handle. But we also don't want to feel bad about when that's happening. I don't want people to have shame about being lonely sometimes. Sometimes others in our life need to be reminded of that because maybe they think that you aren't, or maybe they assume that you're busy with others and that's why I don't hear from you. Or maybe they think that you're just very busy at work. It could be helpful to say to a friend, I'm feeling lonely sometimes, which can communicate to them, like stay connected. But um, you have to make sure you're doing the work. Oftentimes people think, I wish people invited me to more stuff. And I'll say to that client, do you invite them to things? Because that's how you communicate to them that I want that kind of relationship with you. If you're always just passively waiting, then you're, you're part of your own problem. Um, you have to reach out to people to let them be reminded or to let them know that you're someone who wants to connect with them. We're going we're gonna to come back and keep talking about this, so stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, we're back and we're talking about loneliness and we're really talking about this piece of sometimes we get in our own way by waiting for people to reach out to us. And we're like, no one invites me to do anything. No one connects with me. And I'll say to them, when's the last time you reached out to someone or invited someone or these specific people to do something? And it's crickets. And I'll say, so I don't know what they think. They might think that you're not interested. They might think that you're busy. They might think that you're available. But if you want to socialize more, take the responsibility for initiating it. And that's the first tip I give for people that want to socialize more or feel lonely. Initiate it. I even say that to couples. You want more romance in your marriage? Start being romantic. Don't passively sit there like you're victimized by it, waiting for your partner to do something that you aren't even willing to do. And don't even start by saying, I'm a girl, that's a guy. No one cares about your gendered, toxic gendered mess. If you want more romance in your life, start being romantic and bringing it in. Normalize it, initiate it, create the kind of meals you want to have. You want a really over-the-top romantic Valentine's Day? Create it, set it up. You know what I mean? Like you're not victimized by that. Same thing with socialization. If you want to connect to people, start reaching out. If you want to see more people, make some plans. You wish you're invited to a game night, try throwing one. That's the most important thing you can first do is create the kind of social life you want. Try to bring people together. Not only are you then literally having what you want right there at your hands, at at your ease, but it also starts to communicate to those people that that's what you want. So, so when I'm working with someone who's lonely, I'll first say, who are the people you wish you were closer to? Or who are the people that you miss? And we start there. And I'll say, great, start connecting. You're not going to immediately be best friends, but you start doing the groundwork. Start reaching out. Start checking in on them. Start rebuilding that. Don't wait for them to do it because they're not aware that you want that. They're not aware that you're lonely. You're not, they're not aware that you miss them. I don't know what storyline they have as to why you stopped talking or they drifted, but start reconnecting. And that's the first place. Again, who do you wish you were closer to and who do you miss being close to? And start reconnecting. Then whatever kind of plans you wish you had, start planning it. <laughs> you want to travel with a friend? Ask a friend to go travel with you. Like I said, you want to have a game night? Start setting one up. You start to build that. 
And then those people see you as close, present, interested, and social, and they might start inviting you to do things. But we often want others to do what we're not willing to do. I want people to reach out to me, but I'm not willing to reach out to them. I want to get invited to a party, but I'm not willing to invite them to a party or throw a party to invite them to. So that's the first piece. Look at how you're getting in your own way. What are the barriers that are there? Then, because mirroring is important, meaning having people around us that reflect and engage the parts of us that are important, I say to people, what do you enjoy doing? Start spending time in those places and those spaces because the other people that are there also like those things. And that's how awesome conversation starts, being in environments where other like-minded people are. Go to a comic book convention if you love comic books. Other people will be there that love that stuff, that are happy to talk about it. If you're a furry and you love dressing up in animal costumes, go to a furry convention. I went to one once. Well, I didn't go to one once. It was actually being hosted at a hotel I was staying at. And it was a joy. I loved watching these people build community, have confidence in this, find others like them, have sex, date, socialize. It was awesome. I was like, y'all do your thing. What a beautiful thing. Um, So start to figure out where are the spaces where people like me spend time. And the reason I say we're, we're places you like to be is because I want it to have meaning and value for you. We're not just trying to make friends or be around people. We're also trying to enrich our own lives. Um, and that's what I also had to do when I first moved to new cities is I was like, let me go spend time doing things I like to do. I might have to do it alone at first. And naturally I'll start to meet people there or at least be familiar and comfortable being there on my own. Cause it's still an enjoyable thing to do as you try other methods of connecting with people. So again, Start creating the kind of stuff you want to have and start putting yourself in the spaces where these people would be, which is also what I tell people who want to date. What are you interested in doing? Concerts? Start going to some with a friend or even alone. You're more approachable when you go alone. And it communicates to people, I'm here alone. I would want to be spoken to. Maybe I want to be spoken to or talked to or or engaged. You know, so it's more approachable. And like I said, it communicates that like I might I might need that or desire that. But don't, don't sit back again, being a victim to what's happening or thinking that until I make these friends, I can't enjoy my life in the meantime, because that's going to work against you. Um, excuse me. So anyway, we're normalizing, uh, loneliness. We are not shaming the experience. Um, we're focusing on what are the places that I would like to be socializing within. Um, and we're not, we're not pathologizing or shaming our solitude or downtime because that will still exist. So we're not ever saying that we can't have that or if we do that, we're working against ourselves. That is a, a necessary experience that is part of, part of life. Now we're going to move into a little, little bit of what's more uncomfortable. And this I also give to people that are dating. Let's start with the dating piece first. Parallel example. You have to be approachable, I tell them. If you're walking around all day long with a hat on, with your hat down, earphones on, not making eye contact, not talking to anyone, how's someone going to ask you out if you're interested in being asked out and you want to not have to deal with just the apps? You want them to like walk over, tap you on the shoulder? No one's going to do that. So get your headphones off, lift your head up, make eye contact with people, smile, start conversations. And if someone engages the conversation with you, talk to them, not just because of that person, but because it's practice. So even if it's someone you're not attracted to, still get more familiar talking to new people and to being approached because you want to have that confidence and skill set when it matters more. Well, I apply that to friendly, I'm sorry, to lonely people as well. Start talking to strangers. Start letting strangers talk to you because you never know where friendship will evolve. Look, doing the work I do, 
I can't even tell you the wackiest examples patients have come into my practice and shared with me as to how friendships developed. And it usually comes from being like I've said over and over the places they enjoy being or the opposite. They're just walking their dog or they're at the grocery store, but they're approachable. And when someone starts conversation, they engage and then something emerges that's meaningful and they go on a date or they exchange numbers as friends or next time they see them, they say hello and talk again and then they do it again and they do it again. And then friendship emerges from that because they see them always at this coffee shop. They start smiling, wait, you know, waving. Now they're sharing a table. I had that happen. I was always at this one coffee shop and I started to get to know the people that were always there as well writing. And we started talking and then we became friends and we started spending time together. We're going to talk more about this when we come back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back, y'all. So stick around. All right, we're back and uh, finishing up our conversation on uh, loneliness, which is really about healthy socialization, dropping some gems in there about, you know, romance and intimacy and dates, talking about normalizing loneliness, um, not shaming it, not getting in your own way, dismantling those barriers, not sitting back waiting for other people to reach out to you, but saying like, look, who do I miss? Who do I wish I was closer to? Let me start that process by connecting with them and uh, inviting people instead of just waiting to be invited. You want to go to a game night, throw one. You want to have a, go to a party, have one. You want to travel with someone, ask someone to travel with you, start that process that lets them know that I'm down for that. But it also is you creating the kind of world you want to be a part of. Also talked about getting rid of intimacy blockers, not spending time with people where we have things that don't allow us to connect and have a shared experience. Um, also being accessible. You have to talk to strangers. You got to make eye contact with people. You have to let people in. Otherwise, you're going to be single or lonely forever, depending on what you're what you're really seeking, socialization or romance. Um, but another one is also just kindness and softness. You have to be approachable. Again, it comes back to that as well. Um, it might not be someone you're interested in or attracted to or whatever it is, but we're practicing these things. And if we're talking straight about socialization and we're not talking about romance, you don't need to find your friends attractive. They don't need to look a certain way. We shouldn't be collecting or assessing our friendships based on our, our arousal or interest in them aesthetically or romantically. That's a misuse of that. But you see some people do that where all their friends look like them. That's not just coincidence. That's, that's ego. <laughs> that's some narcissism in there and they're missing out on some really great people. Um, have, have deeper conversations. Some people allow it to always be small talk or superficial. We don't build friendships or really feel known unless we drop deeper and share things that make us vulnerable, the hard topics. Make sure there are some people in your life who you drop down to that level with. If every person in your life is just safe, superficial topics, you'll never feel really known and you'll never really know. And then it's really hard when you really need to have that emotional conversation to go from zero to 60 with them. But if it's something that's accessible and familiar, you're going to have that confidence. We need those people in our life. So push on the boundaries, push on the edges a little bit. Don't assume that if we have a superficial relationship, that that's all that's available. They might meet you where you're at because you're meeting them where they're at. And it just becomes a system that you both keep in play and you keep reinforcing. So challenge it by trying to share a little more vulnerably because then you're letting them know that you're oh, that you're okay with that. You're letting them know that they can do that with you and that will serve you. But again, we're not waiting for others to do that. We're initiating that process. So start having deeper conversations. Start asking more meaningful questions. Also, like I said with the intimacy blockers, put your phones away. When you're out with other human beings, your phone shouldn't be in sight. You shouldn't be at a dinner table on your phone. Stack them or leave them in your pocket. You stack them all on the end of the table or you leave them in their pocket. When you're out with them at a bar or an event, your phone shouldn't be visible. 
that is what you can do when you're on your own time. But when you're with friends, how rude, what a communication to the people around you that I'm more interested in whoever's on my phone and not you. Don't, don't normalize that. Make that actually abnormal. Have a conversation ahead of time. Hey guys, we're gonna be doing game night. We're gonna go to dinner or whatever it is. Let's all keep our phones stacked together at the end of the table so that it isn't a very easy reflective thing to just grab it or be on it. Also use social media wisely. <laughs> you know, you can use it as a way to connect with people over things they're posting and their pages. Use it for a tool for socialization, not for you to criticize and attack or make yourself feel bad. Really use it to stay connected. To because to, that's that's technology can help us. It doesn't have to be something that works against us. Um, I also thought this was really interesting, and this came up on a few things. Um, volunteer. It's a really great way to put yourself around other people. Um, get you out of the house, spending time with other people. If it's a cause that's meaningful for you or to you, then that's also a shared topic or theme. Um, also, some people talked about getting a pet. I'm kind of on the fence about that one. I think having a dog could be cool. There's definitely like a dog park and dog walking culture where you get to see your neighbors and you talk and people ask about your dog and the dog parks. But, um, and for some people that's enough, maybe having a cat or whatever it is, but for others, it could be an intimacy blocker. And so don't make it your exclusive solution because that for some is staying very safe or a little lazy and not really pushing on their edges enough. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And if, you know, I guess kind of finally, if you think maybe it's not loneliness and it's some other mental health issue, maybe get into some therapy to really figure that out. Or if everything I'm talking about just isn't really helping. Or if it sounds good in theory, but it's just not something you're able to really execute, therapy might be something that could help with motivation. And like I said, uncovering maybe a deeper psychological issue that's truly the problem um, that we're mislabeling as loneliness. Um, but there's resources. <clears throat> that's the final landing point. You know, there are things we can do, but you have to be willing to be part of your own solution. So you're going to have to be willing to step into your discomfort. We can't say I want things to be different, but I don't want to have to do anything or be made uncomfortable. Just can't work like that. So I always remind people that <laughs> it's going to be a practice. It's going to be work. We're going to be pushing on our anxiety, expanding our window of tolerance, but there's something very meaningful on the other side of that. And the same social skills we need are the same ones we need romantically as well. So there's that. All right, coming up next, we're going to be uh, sliding into those DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, questions, topics, and past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, and click on it. We'll be back listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there 
to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medela. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Medela, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, y'all, we are back. And uh, now it is time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Excuse me, this one says Hey, Dr. Chris. Is social media really a good reason to break up with someone? My boyfriend and I have been officially together for close to 10 months, and he still hasn't posted about me. And he's active, in all caps, on social media, always taking selfies, always with friends, but never with me. I've asked, and he said that he's waiting for the right photo, but that's dumb in my eyes. Um, okay, well, either your boyfriend's a liar, and if you're dating a liar, you should break up and run. And if not, then you need to accept his answer. Um, I, I, you know, again, I'm assuming you're in a healthy relationship. And so why would this person not tell you the truth unless you're in a relationship that doesn't have a lot of deep intimacy? Like that's the hard part about these questions. Are you at someone where you both are approachable and you're able to be told difficult information? Because remember, people won't tell you the truth if you're dramatic and overreactive, but if you're safe to be gone to, and he's been able to tell you difficult things and you've calmly listened well then, yeah, I believe him when he says that. But if you're you know, dysregulated and erratic and you have a lot of conflict in your relationship, well then yes, maybe he is lying. So the bigger issue is you have work to do in your relationship. But again, let's assume it's a healthy relationship built on trust. Well then, yes, I want you to trust him. And again, if you don't, you have a bigger problem. You're dating someone who when they tell you something, you don't believe them. Work on that first and don't care so much about social media. Also having said that, we need to get over the social media stuff. Like it's a mess. Maybe he doesn't want to put you on his page because he doesn't want to bring other people into the relationship. I do not post pictures of people I'm in a relationship with on my social media because that's not what I use it for. That's personal and private. And I don't put them on there. And if they had an issue with that, I'd say, here's why. It's private <laughs> and I don't do it like that. And if that means more to you, then what I'm telling you, then I don't want to be in this relationship. I don't want to be with someone who doesn't understand my boundaries and doesn't trust me when I tell them something. So like, yeah, it's a little bit of a trust issue. Having said that, I also want it to not be that deep for either of you. Um, so I'll never agree that we should dump people because they won't post a picture of us. That tells me that the relationship doesn't have that much worth or meaning to you. If you're willing to break up with him because he won't put your face on his Instagram, come on, then the relationship should end. It's flimsy. But if the relationship has a lot of meat to it and a lot of love and a lot of care and a lot of commitment, then you talk it out. 
What meaning has he given you as to why he won't do that? Because the photo is not good? Then tell him, great,�����������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������
Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Thank <laughs> you.